Well, good morning again, church. Here we are on our fourth week of our series on the Holy Spirit, our last week of this series. And I hope this series has been a blessing to you, that it's been both informative and inspirational. My prayer is that each of us has grown in our understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, how he is at work in our lives, and how we become filled with the Holy Spirit, and also how we can walk more closely with the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to drill down a little farther on one of the implications of being filled with the Holy Spirit and walking with the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to talk about working with the Holy Spirit. If you recall, the Holy Spirit works in a number of ways. And one of those ways is to empower Christ followers with various gifts and skills for life and for ministry. We touched on this a few weeks ago, but today we're going to talk about that a little more specifically, all right? When we talked about the Holy Spirit, or or when we talk about the Holy Spirit empowering believers for life and ministry, the scriptures use the language of spiritual gifts or gifts of the Spirit, or sometimes you see manifestations of the Spirit, or even just simply gifts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. Well, like Paul, I don't want our church family to be uninformed either. So this will be a message on the nature and the purpose of spiritual gifts. It won't be a full theological treatment of spiritual gifts or even grand detail on any of the gifts in particular, but more of a survey with what I hope will be some real understanding and some application for each of us. And you know, I was tempted to begin this message with giving a robust definition of what spiritual gifts are, but instead I want to start with what is the purpose of spiritual gifts? What's the purpose? Because if we understand the purpose, then the definition will actually make a little more sense. There's a number of scriptures in the New Testament that talk about spiritual gifts, but the first mention of spiritual gifts is in Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. And this is where Paul says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Now, let's understand what Paul's saying here. When we first read his words, it might be easy to interpret him as saying that he needs to be there to help them get or acquire their spiritual gifts, that he needs to give them their gifts. Well, this isn't what Paul is saying at all. When Paul says, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, is that he wants to use his spiritual gifts to minister to them. But he specifically says, to make you strong. So even in the first mention of spiritual gifts in the New Testament, we see that the purpose is to strengthen others. To strengthen others how? Well, to strengthen their faith. See, Paul, as a pastor, as a teacher, as a shepherd, he was greatly concerned with the spiritual strength, the strength of faith of his brothers and sisters in Christ. Every letter he wrote, whether it was to address a controversy or argue against some form of heresy or address uh, disciplinary matters in the church, every letter always included words of encouragement and elements of teaching aimed at strengthening the faith of others. For example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul says to the church, We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service and spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. 
And so to be strengthened and encouraged in our faith is to grow in our maturity, to endure in hardship, to be inspired to action, to receive help in discernment, and to repent from sin. These are all marks of being strengthened and encouraged in our faith. And now back to Romans chapter 1. If we look at Paul's words here, we can see that there's a mutuality in using our gifts. There's a mutuality. He says, as I strengthen you, I am also encouraged in my faith. In verse 11, he says, I strengthen your faith with my spiritual gift. And in verse 12, he says, I encourage your faith with my faith. And the reverse is true. If you strengthen and encourage me, it's an encouragement of building up a bolstering of your own faith in return. So all of this really lands us on a definition. What is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is an ability to express our own faith to strengthen someone else's faith. Now, read that definition again and let the sense of it sink in. A spiritual gift is an ability to express our own faith to strengthen someone else's faith. Spiritual gifts are almost always aimed at other people. There are very few exceptions when they're not. But it's not just Romans 1 that shows us this. Here are some other passages. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, Paul says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. They're for the common good, not my personal gain in any measure. And he says a couple chapters later in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church that build up the church. Spiritual gifts are certainly a blessing to those who use them, but the force of scripture is there to be used to bless and build up others. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, this is a passage we'll return to more later, but Peter says, each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So the main goal, the emphasis of spiritual gifts is to strengthen the faith of others, to build up, to serve. Another way to say it is this. Spiritual gifts are given to be given. Spiritual gifts are given to be given. One of the implications of this is to not get too caught up in our spiritual gift labels. I think we often say, hey, that's not my gift. And therefore we box ourselves in or out of what God wants to do through us in someone else's life. I think sometimes we actually use our spiritual gifts as an excuse to not serve. I remember one time at a former church where we were trying to recruit more people for the greeter team and the ushers team as part of the, the welcome ministry. And I talked to a friend of mine who actually wasn't serving in any capacity in the church at that point. And I said, hey, why don't you think about doing that? Why don't you think about joining the, the usher team? And his response was, well, my spiritual gift isn't hospitality but instead it's leadership and discernment. And I looked at him and because he was my friend, I was able to say, so your gifts of leadership and discernment keeps you from opening the door and smiling at somebody and saying, welcome to church. He was using his spiritual gifts actually as an excuse to not serve. And really this pushes us into realizing something else about spiritual gifts that's often misunderstood. Everyone has at least one specific spiritual gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, in his wisdom, he has given them to us, every single one of us who follows Jesus as a disciple. 
But it's also true that spiritual gifts may vary in strength from one person to the next. In Romans chapter 12, verse 6, Paul says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with or in proportion to your faith. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul encourages Timothy saying, do not neglect your gift. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. So we can actually grow in our spiritual gifting, the things that God blesses us with. These passages, along with many others, show us how spiritual gifts may vary in strength from person to person, and even in one person over time. We can grow in the exercise of spiritual gifts. But here's the thing. Discovering our spiritual gifts does not exempt us from other aspects of the Christian life and ministry. For example, Every spiritual, gift, every spiritual gift test that I've ever taken has shown the gift of mercy to be nowhere near the top of that list. In fact, it's usually near the bottom. But does that mean I have the license to be an unmerciful person? I think we would all say certainly not. Now, Paul does remind us that not every person has every gift. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, he asks the question, are all apostles are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? And in the context, it's clear that he expects the answer to each question to be no, to be no. But here's the thing. And let me use the gift of teaching as an example. The spiritual gift of teaching is the ability to explain scripture and to apply it to people's lives. Even though not every person has a specific gift of teaching, it's still true that all of us teach in some sense of the word. You might never dream of preaching in front of the congregation or even teaching a Sunday school class, but you would still read Bible stories to your children and explain the meaning. You might have conversations with friends who are asking questions about what you believe. You might be discussing the scriptures together with your group members and in doing so, mutually teaching one another. So on the one hand, scripture certainly shows us that not everyone has the spiritual, the specific spiritual gift of teaching. But on the other hand, we also have to say that if you are a Christ follower, you have some general ability related to the gift of teaching that all Christians have. And this is true with just about every single gift. There are some Christians who have a specific and strong gift of evangelism, but we all have the ability to share the gospel with our neighbors and our loved ones. Not all Christians have the specific spiritual gift of faith, but every believer clearly has faith, and we would expect it to be something growing and flourishing in our lives. Some Christians are blessed to have a strong spiritual gift of helps, but some of us aren't. But this doesn't mean at all that we shouldn't discover ways to serve and give of ourselves, even sacrificially at times. And you know, the same can even be said for the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. If we understand speaking in tongues as prayer spoken in syllables, not understood by the speaker, then it's true that not every Christian has the gift of speaking in tongues. I personally have known very few Christians in my life that have this gift. But I know that I have had times of prayer where my heart and my emotions and my thoughts just come across as unspoken yearnings poured out before God. 
I'm not actually forming words at all, but I know that God in his power and his sovereignty and his omniscience, he understands the cries of my heart. And the Holy Spirit, he, he takes my mental expressions and my emotive yearnings and he, he makes them into effective prayer that is heard by God. Once again, we wouldn't call this the specific spiritual gift of speaking in tongues, but it does seem to be a general ability for all Christians to be able to pray in the way Paul describes in Romans 8.26 through wordless groans. And you know, all of this really is to make a specific point that sometimes we make spiritual gifts into this highly mystical or even esoteric aspect of our Christian experience. You know, most spiritual gifts are really just normal aspects of our faith that have been intensified in a person's life and practice of faith. All Christians should be encouraging. Some are just extra good at it because of the Holy Spirit's making them that way. All Christians should serve, but some just get an extra special delight out of it and have the capacity to bless others in greater measures. All Christians should be discerning and prayerful so as to seek wisdom, but there are some that the Spirit has given a greater capacity to do so, not so that they can brag about their wisdom, but for the building up of the church, the strengthening of the faith of others. So maybe while we're concerned with labeling or categorizing our gifts, we should also be concerned with our desire, our desire to strengthen the faith of others in the first place, since that's the whole purpose and point of spiritual gifts. But maybe you've never considered what your spiritual gifts are, and now you're eager to discover what they might be. Well, Scripture gives us some guidance here. There are a few main passages in Scripture that give us lists of spiritual gifts, and none of them are exhaustive, and you're going to see them on the screen. I'm not even going to read through each of them, but you can see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul gives us a list of those gifts, and, and just a few verses later, in verse 28, he has another list. And that list even includes some on his previous list, but there's a couple new ones mentioned there. And there's some that are on the first list that aren't mentioned in this one. And what we can take from that is no list in the, in the scriptures it has an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts. In fact, some would argue that there are spiritual gifts not even listed in the scriptures at all. Um, because the whole point is to take what God has given you and to bless others with it, to encourage others in their faith, to strengthen them in the faith. You can also turn to Romans 12 and see a list there um, that includes a number of the same uh, spiritual gifts we find in 1 Corinthians. And then in Ephesians 4.11, we see that what we see listed there really is more offices of leadership in the church, but each of those offices are commensurate with certain spiritual gifts. And so you see apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor, teacher. You know, one could even go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, where Paul is talking about marriage and singleness, and we see how he talks about each as a gift. They're each a gift because each can and should be used to strengthen the faith of others in the church. You know, there's a number of ways that we, over time in history, have attempted to classify spiritual gifts. Some have come up with different breakdowns into different lists. Well, you know, the simplest breakdown comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, where Peter says, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, 
They should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Well, here we just see two broad categories, speaking and serving. All the spiritual gifts fit into one of these two categories. Or we could consider the Old Testament offices of prophet, priest, and king. Prophetic gifts, in the broad sense, is anything that involves teaching, encouraging, exhorting, or even even rebuking others. Priestly gifts would include anything that involves showing mercy, hospitality, or care for other people in the church or in the community. And kingly gifts would include anything having to do with administration or leadership in the church. Another breakdown could be gifts of knowledge, gifts of power, and gifts of speech. But again, it's not as important for us to develop a precise system of classifying the spiritual gifts. It's, that's not as important as it is to understand and to live out the reality that spiritual gifts are given to be given, to bless others, to encourage others, to serve others, and to build up one another in the church. So how do you go about discovering what are your spiritual gifts? Well, one way to start or even to rediscover is to ask what the needs and opportunities for ministry there are in the church and in the community, to be prayerful about those needs and to see what the Holy Spirit lifts to the surface of your heart. Specifically, what gifts are most needed for the building up of the church right now? You know, College Park, like every other church in the nation and even the world, we're in a place right now where we're, we're on a journey of discovering what a number of areas of ministry are even going to look like as we move forward. As we prepare to reassemble on June 14th, Lord willing, we have a number of needs that we just, we didn't have before, or at least to as great of a degree. The strongest areas of need are going to be in the welcome ministries, the technical ministries, and what we could call hospitality. So to make this new dynamic work on June 14th, in the welcoming ministries, we need to add more greeters and ushers to manage all the logistics of Sunday morning as well as be a welcoming presence to people who choose to worship in person at our church campus. In our technical ministries, we need to build up the team of people running the audio and video and lighting and projection equipment. We want to keep the online option going, but we need more people to make that happen because when we get to June 14th, it's not just online anymore. It's right here in the sanctuary, the video feed to the gym and the online. So you can see it's going to take more people to make that happen. With respect to hospitality, we need a whole team of people willing to be part of the cleaning and disinfecting effort between worship gatherings so we can make this place safe for everyone. These are real ministry needs in the church right now. And you may not have the spiritual gift of running a soundboard, but there are some surprisingly easy ways for you to get involved in the technical production that we can train you on very quickly. And you would have a significant impact on the ministry of the church. So look around and see what the needs are. See what God raises up in your heart and in your mind, what you're drawn to, what you might even just have an interest in. This is a great way to get started in discovering what your spiritual gifts are. Another great way is to ask people you trust. Just ask them what they see in you. Maybe even just ask, hey, what do you think my spiritual gifts might be? What do you think might be some great ways for me to serve in the church using my skills and my interests and my experiences? 
the Holy Spirit will often use the words and insights of others in the body of Christ to speak into our lives, to open our eyes and affirm those things that we thought were only mere interests as possible areas of effective ministry in the church. One of the greatest tools for discipleship God gave us is each other. So seek the wisdom and counsel of brothers and sisters in the church family. Here's another way. Just try something. Just take the opportunities before you. You know, many of us who are in full-time vocational ministry, we have a similar story when it comes to finding our place in the body of Christ. At first, when we realize we have a specific calling on our lives, most of the time we don't really know where we're going to land, just that we're called to it. We might have some specific interests, but we don't really know how that's going to turn out or how we're going to prepare for it. So what we often resolve to do is to just take the opportunities God puts in front of us to, to serve in all kinds of different capacities. And through that exposure and that experience, the Holy Spirit works to narrow it down for us. Well, this, this kind of process isn't limited to just pastors or missionaries in full-time ministry. It's the same for all of us. Maybe God just wants you to put your hand to the plow and give it a try. You know, teaching a Sunday school class of any age group or leading a home Bible study group is, is an excellent way to begin using a gift of teaching. Every church is always looking for more opportunities to elevate the degree of evangelism and outreach and community service and focus on missions in its ministry. To explore and grow into gifts such as mercy and helps and encouragement and prayer and healing, you can look for ways to be active in the caregiving and the prayer ministries of the church. If you think you might have the gift of faith or the gift of intercessory prayer, you can become active in one of those ministries of the church, or even just ask your friends for specific needs about which you can pray. Between the discernment that he will give and the guidance and affirmation of the body of Christ, you will discover amazing ways to serve, to strengthen others with your spiritual gifts, and be blessed and encouraged in return. Most importantly, and I know I say this all the time, but it's true, so I'm just going to keep saying it. Go to the Lord in prayer about it. In all of this, if you're seeking to discover your gifts, you should pray and ask God for wisdom, confident that he will give it to you according to his promise in James chapter 1, verse 5, where James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. As we close today, I, I want to look at Paul's words in Ephesians 4. These are words I believe really captures God's heart for the church, uh, how we use our spiritual gifts, and the effects we see on the church when we do so with God's power and blessing. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You know, the ultimate end in view is to become complete or full in Christ. And our unity in the faith is a goal that we strive for. And this unity that Paul speaks of here you know, we often think unity means that 
we all think the same thing and agree on everything. But Paul here puts unity together with building up and with the knowledge of the Son of God. So it's, it's really from an increasing knowledge of Jesus in our personal and our corporate lives that unity is fostered. It's not knowledge of theology or history or apologetics or religious philosophy. As great as those things are, what leads to building up and unity is knowledge of Jesus himself, his heart, his character, his desires for us as his disciples, because that's what forms our character. That's what informs our discipleship above anything else, knowing him. And Paul, Paul says that, that that leads to maturity and the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The language here is that of moving from childhood to adulthood, maturing. By serving one another, we build up one another. We strengthen one another's faith, which leads to knowing Jesus more and produces unity and maturity in the church. And in doing so, we become complete in Jesus as his disciples and as his people, his gospel people. May it be so in us today. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the great love you have for your church. You've proven it time and again by how you have provided, how you've guided, how you've protected, how you've raised up vision for the church, how you have kept the mission of the church before our eyes. You've given us a, a, a great mission, a commission that you've called us to. You've given us each other to love and to serve, to encourage, to even to discipline at times. You are clearly working by your Holy Spirit in the church. And so Lord, may we learn that as, as we come to you and we seek the guidance of your Holy Spirit to be filled by your Holy Spirit, to walk with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we can also work with the Holy Spirit and that work we do is aimed at strengthening the faith of each other. And through that, Lord, may we see your church become everything you want us to be and everything we dream it can be. Lord, we praise you today and we love you. We thank you for your presence among us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.